Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of Leukemia Chatters. Um, today I am joined by Kate. Hello. Chris. Hello. And Nick. Good evening. All of whom are patients and very kindly given up their time to join us today. Um, so today we wanted to chat a little bit about, um, I guess, social media as an overall heading um, but also to sort of talk about the different types of social media, what patients use online services for, because um, all of you guys are, have either worked in, in setting them up or use them for your own purposes. And get feedback on, you know, what you think the benefits and what you think the pitfalls are. So I guess to start somewhere, there are largely two different types of social media there's the general purpose social media that we all use um and then there are the more closed groups um like online forums and things would we all agree that there is a difference in the purpose of those two things do we agree there's a distinction there (laughs) there's a distinction i think it depends how comfortable you are sharing what you're sharing and and who you are and you know, in, in terms of groups that you are working with. So um, I think you have to consider that a lot of people want privacy. Yeah. A lot of people, especially in the early days as well, when they might not have told family. And I think it's vitally important for us to give people that space. Definitely. Well, Kate, would you agree as someone who uses social media quite a lot to talk about your, I don't like to use the word journey, but your, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. since your leukemia diagnosis, you've shared quite a lot on, on yes. Instagram in particular. Would you agree that at the start, you probably would have been a bit more cautious than you are now? Yeah, definitely. At the start, I didn't. Mm. I didn't share anything until I came out of hospital. So, because I thought, I felt really vulnerable, vulnerable in hospital. <laughs> um, and like you were saying, I, didn't, I hadn't told many people and I didn't want to just tell everyone. And then all of a sudden I did. Um, and now actually it's gone back. So I've stopped sharing so much. Um, I don't know why, but it just feels like I didn't really want to. I felt like I was being too open, you know? So I just decided to take a step back for a bit. Um, yeah, but I think at the time when I did share, it was good. And I got some good feedback from people and a lot of people contacted me. I don't know if you found this, but a lot of people have contacted me like from around the world and mm. who've got the same thing or had the same thing. So that's been nice. Yeah. So you, you kind of mentioned sharing with other people. I'm assuming you mean people that don't also have leukemia. Yeah. So I guess that's yeah. probably one way we could make a distinction between social media and closed forums mm-hmm. is you were using so you're using social media largely you can't control who is looking at it. yeah yeah and actually some of the things that I would like to post sort of about treatment or side effects or something like that mm. so that other people who've got it or had it can comment and we can all share I don't want everyone else who follows me to know that or see it so there is that kind of like blurred boundaries isn't there which I guess is where a forum might come in more handy like a closed forum yeah but then again I feel like that is the ones that I found for APML there's like quite a few people in them and they're they're sort of constantly um being updated which I can't really keep up with Mm -hmm. so yeah that's another challenge all of its own yeah I think depending on where you are 
on the journey. Mm. Sorry. Yeah. I can't think of another yeah, word. I've got a magazine <laughs> called Journey. Yeah. Leukemia Matters now. Leukemia Matters. Yeah. On the road. Yeah. Okay, on the road. Yeah. On the road. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I mean, I found myself change over time. Mm. Yes, that, definitely. Um, that, that, you know, and I, I kind of go through phases where I'm mm. like, I shared a picture of my bum once because I had um, oh. <laughs> a bone marrow aspirate and I had all the bruising mm-hmm. all down my leg. And, I, and I'm, you know, I'm still proud of that. I wanted to share it because I wanted people to know and understand what we go through. Mm-hmm. And I also want people to be aware of, you know, the all the things that they need to look out for in their bodies and stuff. But then I'll go through a phase of a couple of years where I, I don't I don't really enjoy going through the forums because I don't want to be reminded of all the stuff all the time. Mm. Yes, yeah, yeah. I just, want, I just want a, you know, a relatively normal life. And then, you know, I get a hold of myself and say, yeah. well, actually, Chris. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let's be sensible about this. It is part of your life. It's an important part of your life, mm. and I embrace it. But yeah. I, I properly go through. I mean, twelve years in, so I go mm. through a lot of phases with that. Mm. Nick, no, you relate. do the leukemia care ones. Do you see people coming in and out? Personally, do you also agree with that? But do you see other people doing that in and out a bit? You know, having been a lengthy amount of time along the path from diagnosis, I think you as a person change. Mm. And I think there's different types of media. There's, but you know, depending on where you are, if you're in a moment of crisis, people will use the medium when they need to interact or reach other people. I mean, for me, the first thing was. You know, I'm, I was a Luddite when I was diagnosed, and I'm not particularly old compared to the average age of people diagnosed. Um, so as well as not being familiar with the territory and not having anybody else to talk to, going online and talking to people anonymously was revolutionary. It, you couldn't talk to anybody in your social life. You couldn't talk to the people closest to you. You couldn't find the information on your rare disease. There wasn't a lot of information available. So there were several types of social media. There was, you know, going on websites for information or going into groups where you were lurking, not contributing, just sucking the information up, and then opportunities to start experimenting of making your first post. Or if you're at a different place along the pathway, you might be emotionally troubled and need to share a lot more, as you were saying earlier, than you would want to. But sometimes you just fancy hanging around and seeing what everyone else is saying. Yeah, so as as a whole, you having supported people for a long time and shared time online for a long time, you watch people you know, appear and then disappear for a while. And then when there's a moment of crisis, come back again. You know? mm. And that, and that's then not a true reflection of what's actually going on within healthcare because mm, what, what we find in general is that people tend to go online when something is wrong. Yeah. Mm. You don't go online and post, everything's great, mm. you know. Would you encourage more people to do that and yes. to actually make it a more reflective so of the whole, important. whole this, journey? This, when you asked there about, you know, administrative roles or supervisory roles, mm. and that's when you've got to try and balance content because the vociferous few, the noisy few, can dominate mm. the personality mm. of a site. And, you know, it's very hard to get a balanced perspective a lot of the time because many of those that are attending are a selective audience of those that wish to attend because they've got problems. Mm. So, you know, being able to balance content, content drives traffic. You know, if you're looking to build a community, work with a community, that community to take ownership, then um, you need to be able to have attractive content that people can relax when they're coming into the community. Um, And it's hard. So... Good um, 
good outlook stories, uplifting stories, mm. always get the most likes. Always. Yeah. Even if they're just a set of results that have come in and they're better mm. than the last time. Mm. I think they're really important. I agree. You know, it, it, it's super important for people to post those as well. But, you know... It's a real world, though. Yeah, and the people that are posting and do have problems have real problems. And, and, I, and you know, I feel an obligation sometimes that our job is to help them and support them. And that's and that's what the charity is here for as well. So, yeah, it's... it's, it's I find it hard that. using them now from the point of view that it's been such a long time. When I go through my own personal moments of change and crisis you know i'm starting a new treatment oh god i've not had this one before am i going to grow horns when i start taking these tablets you know okay i can ask the people that i've been supported and working with for the last 10 years because i've been listening to their stories for the last five or six years so then i look at social media a little bit differently you know so it's a great information source it's a great way of keeping on top of what's happening in your particular area it's a gateway of being connected to people um I was going to say, Kate, plants in positivity and negativity. Did you ever feel like on your private social network to be more positive? Yeah. I was in, you perhaps wanted to be. Yes. Not saying that you weren't positive. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Off the top of my head. But did you feel pressure to be positive when yeah. you felt like being, yeah. you know, down? Yes, because a lot of the comments you'd get, say you did post, you know, something about being in hospital or treatment be positive you know be brave be strong and i know people are just trying to like give you that encouragement and things but yeah there was a i don't know if you feel this but there was a certain pressure to just be like oh i'm i am being brave you know i am being strong when really you just felt like just putting on there like i'm literally struggling Mm. um so yes i did feel that and also when you get a lot of people following you that have the same thing Sometimes you'll get people messaging you saying, you know, I'm about to have a transplant I'm about to have whatever the treatment that you're having. So you kind of feel a responsibility to be upbeat for them because you don't want to be like, oh, it's awful and it's so painful and it's horrible. And then, then, they, then they're traumatized and scared and mm. they're, oh, I've got to go that, through that next and I don't want to. So I felt that. I felt I had to downplay like that. Lies. The honesty well, yeah. is important, though. But it is. Like yeah. lies it is. And sometimes I do crack and I will put a really honest post out there. And it's surprising the people who do reach out to you, you know, and you do get a lot of private messages sort of saying, are you all right? Like, is there anything I can do? And, and that, I think, is, is nicer than the public display you know of oh be strong be brave Mm. i think sometimes just people actually recognizing you're struggling and we're all human at the end of the day aren't we like everyone who goes through treatment or whatever is going to struggle at some point and uh, quite often like the high profile social media um sort of cancer patients will have time out so like they'll say i'm just having a break from social media for like a month or whatever a few days and i think that's that's telling that actually is it is kind of wearing at times it can be it can bring you up when you need it but it can also wear you down yeah you said you took some like at some point you didn't fancy posting as much yeah that part of the reason i guess um or did you just feel like it is not yeah i just felt like i mean i i was at at times you struggle with with life you know and adjusting to life after treatment Mm -hmm. and I think the the last thing I wanted to do was sort of be on social media and have that that kind of Mm -hmm. so it's for me it was just like I'll just withdraw from it for a bit and it's it's fine and every now and then I post things on there but yeah it's I've definitely gone away from that posting all the time and I think 
also, I'm going off on a tangent here, but when I had pictures nicked from my social media, mm. that made me think, okay, I don't want to be on there anymore then if people can just steal my pictures and use them. So that kind what of... What were they using them for? It was oh, really God, bizarre, it yeah. So it I'm was um, a picture of my bum now. <laughs> it could be anywhere. Yeah. It. Who, who's yeah, I'd recognise it. <laughs> <laughs> I think my wife. I recognise well. her bum. Beyond yeah. the inner circle, I'm not sure anyone else. Would they? <laughs> what were they using your photos? It was um, it was for an, a story about me, um, and it was in some random um magazine I'd never even heard of. I think it was even abroad, wasn't it? Mm. Um, vague recollection it was very strange and the only reason I found out was because um, a friend of mine tagged me in the link on Facebook to the article and was like oh okay what a great story and I said whoa that wasn't me and they'd made it they'd taken another story that I'd done and I think it was for for you guys and they'd reworded it so it looked like I'd had an interview with them very weird. And then they went on my Facebook. They hacked my Facebook and got pictures of me, like, on my wedding day and put all these pictures in the article. <laughs> so, and to be fair, you know, Leukemia Care were brilliant and had it shut down, like, within a day, I think it was. Yeah. But it was just really bizarre. And I thought, you know, as if I'm not even, like, a celebrity or anything no. to go to all that trouble just yeah. to do that. So it kind of, yeah, put me off mm. um, posting for a while because I thought, ooh, Mm, you know, these are my pictures, not yours. But and that's... there's the privacy issue for you, sort of wrapped yeah. up. In exactly, a... yeah, yeah. Like you were saying with forums, people have an opportunity to share in a private yeah. space, then, don't they? And they also have an opportunity, you know, you, you take it on face value and you don't know who are members of closed groups. There are different levels of privacy. Mm. Um, so the first thing is, is trying to make people aware they've got to be comfortable and understand the level of information they're sharing. Yeah. I'm not sure the general public really understand that with social media some of the time. But it's striking the balance. I mean, you know, I just listened to something Kate was just talking about in terms of not wishing to continue to such a degree on social media. And I found looking at different groups that you get different types of views depending on different types of condition. Somebody living with a acute conditions will have periods of urgency and crisis and they're in treatment before they even had a chance to share any of this on uh you know through social media so it's very hard and it's it's not a very active community uh, a group of of, of people the acute community chronic patients a different matter altogether you know I, i can quite easily call myself chronic using the old terminology or the modern i'm a chronic patient and if you're a chronic patient, you're living with continuous issues. You're, you've got a lot of time on your hand. It's not going away. You're not sure if you're coping yourself. You're reaching out to others to share that. And it's quite tribal. It's quite a tribal environment at times. Um, and I think, I think the knock-on effect, interestingly, and again, picking it from what you were saying, when you have those messages maybe to friends and stuff like that, and, and it's to be strong and things like that, they put that because they're terrified. Yeah. They put that because we, we terrify them because they don't know what to say. There's a fear of offending. There's a fear of not saying the right thing. It's when somebody passes away as well, just in general, not anything to do with disease or anything. Sometimes it's like, what what do you say? And I think it's, it's really hard these days. You know, you see the RIP and all that, and that's the safe bet and sending love and best wishes. And I, and I always see be strong and, you know, keep your head up and all that. It's, it's almost the same standard things because... 
I completely get why people are saying it, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, wow, it's uh, being on the looking at it from the other side of the fence. That's a that's a that's a tough one as well. Mm-hmm. But we have to have the conversations. They're, they're so so important to have those and to show people yeah. where we're at and what's going, and that you know sometimes it's not a death sentence and giving other people hope and. There's all, ty- there's all types of things that it's good for. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, looking at the forums, I've noticed and I've helped seed it and grow it, the pass it forward kind of um, mentality and, and environment. So, you know, somebody will join as a newbie, having recently been diagnosed in total distress, the world has been hit by a bomb, they've got nobody to talk to then they reach out anonymously anonymously and meet somebody that's able and a group of people that are able have been there able to take them through that journey then you start to understand the complexities of the organism the personalities how to behave good practice and it's an evolving you know in the chronic environments and in other environments you'll get people then that will either um, drop in and drop out when they want information or stay and grow and help support others um, it's no different to the support the, the in-person support groups that yeah. Leukemia Care offers yeah. throughout the country it's alright to come and go yeah that you mm-hmm. sit in a room and you all talk and share and you work people out and you have guest speakers mm-hmm. and you share problems and then sometimes some people don't turn up and then sometimes they do it's exactly the same with you know the social's not not going away I, I talk to kids about this all the time yeah. we've just got to find a way to work it and cope with it and stay safe on it um, and, and it will work to our advantage it just gets a bad press now and then yeah and be mindful of what you post like <clears throat> I think when you're really desperate and in a bad place and you want some support and help you can potentially post things that you regret you know the next day or so it's just kind of being mindful of, of what you're posting and also about other people like it's fine i think it's okay to post what you want about yourself that's up to you but be careful what you say about other people because mm-hmm. um you know they might not want that out there they might not have told people you know yeah. so yeah. Yeah, one of the advantages of closed groups is obviously you can set up posting rules or there are posting mm-hmm. rules as yeah. part of your group and everybody will follow good practice but yeah as you say it's hard I mean, the advantage of online is you don't, the second you think of a word, you don't have to bloat it out. It's not like having a conversation we're having now. You've got time to construct your sentence mm. and think about your response. I don't think a lot of people do that. No. It, I, th- I think a lot think of people... I think it's too rock. easy to just yeah, click I, send yeah, these days. Yes, very much so. And I think the same way that people send texts and messages, I think in some forums, and, it, and it, that hits your mark exactly, that it's like, da-da-da-da-da, anger, anger post, anger post, and two hours later, there's sort of regret. But those, that's because these people are in vulnerable positions. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it and it's hard to be able to think straight in in those particular situations. It's difficult to try and administrate. Oh, yeah. tell me about it. Yeah, you know, because yeah. you're also playing devil's advocate between the two roles, and you have to consider your responses to make sure yeah. you to satisfy. Yeah. And and um, I take my hat off to anybody that's listening. That's you know that that, that gives their time to supporting others online. It can be a. Um, an unforgiving environment you're an invisible person but you're there to make sure yeah. that people are able to get the information in the timely manner when they need it make mm-hmm. sure people behave appropriately and signpost to good information um 
unfortunately, that's not the case in, in, in streamed open access, you know, that you, the, the information is uncontrollable. And the other thing we have to consider as well is the is the nonsense as well that gets posted. Yeah, publicly. quality of information. Is it for cancer? You know, oh gosh, all I have to do is eat a clove of garlic. Fake information. Yeah. We, yeah. we've covered that like extensively last year, but it's definitely worth bringing up that if you allow people to share links, share yeah. stuff, inevitably, there not everybody knows. It is what a problem quality. in forums. Yeah, I will say that there's a couple of. Um, Instagram accounts mm-hmm. that I follow that are hilarious and they are in a good po- or a bad yeah, way. in a great way like a they're way. meant to be um and they are just poking fun at cancer and the treatment that you go through and they're from patients you know and they're not offensive you know they're, they're just funny and it's just certain things that, that they notice about you know the treatments that you can have or the machines that you have or people's reactions and things like that so mm-hmm. they are actually very i find them really good to follow because it just brings a little smile to your face and they can turn something a traumatic memory into a, a you know have a, a funny slant on it like so that so they're quite um they're good and actually social media like we've talked about the negatives but there are some huge positives aren't there mm. probably like, cover this. <laughs> yeah especially like for me with a rare cancer mm. um finding someone through or people finding me through social media with the same thing was mm-hmm. like <gasps> You know, light bulb. and they might not have got round to setting up a closed forum because they don't know each other exists. Exactly, and there's no point really for us, like the people that we follow each other. You know, there's no point to do that. It's just we're just part of each other's lives in a really small way, even mm-hmm. though we we're never going to meet because we all live in different countries. But having said that, one of the ladies who sort of followed me from the very beginning, who had the same thing. Um, she lived in Hawaii. She's moved now to America, like a different part of America. Um, but she was saying to me, you know, if you're ever here, come and visit. So it's like you, oh, you feel like nice. you know them, yeah. even though you've never met them. But you've just got this shared experience. And it's fine to just like and every now and then comment on a post, you know. And that's that. So there's that feeling of I'm not in this alone. I'm not the only mm. one who's got this problem. So there is definitely huge upsides it's to a it. sort of comradeship isn't it it is yeah yeah i I agree with that because it's like oh we can understand what we're all going through it's almost you don't even have to talk about it there's that rule that there's no need to explain no no and there's no rules if you you know that's the one thing i always recall um as newbies people come into the environment is use the space rant you know just get it off your chest what's on your mind there's and there's no such thing as a stupid question you know and that I do recall, and it's going back a long time ago myself as an individual, that, you know, you can't sit there and talk to these things that are buried inside you that you're worrying about you don't mm. know about. Yeah? So, no, it's invaluable. What you're saying about quality of information, it, it's there's no stupid question in sharing your thoughts, but then it's also taking on board those the quality information that is provided by people like you as well. Well, if you're going to be... In an, in an environment where it's interactive and you're looking to share experience and gain the insights of others, then it's better if you're in a controlled environment where you will tend to find these hosted by reputable organisations mm. and they're time served. Like ourselves, but there are others, I should imagine. I mean, I think an old rule of thumb has always been, it's no similar to the rest of internet use. If you're looking for information, you know, if you lean towards the um, the larger national organisations or the specialist organisations, mm. Um, then you can 
it's, it's hard, as you just said, it's, it's validating information. Fortunately, as somebody that's been involved in establishing groups and others take that forward, it's early on, you know, as long as groups set up um, operational rules and standards and making sure that people reference things appropriately and um, the way they communicate with each other and uh, you know everything of that nature is taken care of, then things can re- run smoothly. But it's very time-consuming. There's two ends of the scale. I, know, I, I look at it from both ends now. Is Social media users is great. People dropping in there to ask questions and lots of people there being there to help help them. But they're also quite time time consuming to administrate in mm. those locked environments. And uh, do you know about as well, Chris? <laughs> yeah, they are. I mean, I, I run a group that isn't associated with a charity. It's got three thousand members, and that's a worldwide group. And a good friend uh, also runs a UK one as well, mm. and that's got three and a half thousand members. So that you know, that's a lot of people. Um, but we've built credibility mm. over time yeah. that you know we've shared our stories publicly people know that we've gone to the right things we associate ourselves with charities what, what I would say in, in the first instance I think it's really important that you go to a reputable yeah. organisation because it's all very well finding the group that I'm in and it, and it does self-regulate so when we get people on there with any form of extreme view the other three, well, 2,999 people <laughs> tend to self-regulate that and, that. and that feels good. I don't have to step in as much as I used to. And I know Nigel doesn't either. But um, there's so much misinformation out there that I wouldn't want people to happen upon a group that that doesn't have that correct information, doesn't have, have that self-regulation. So, you know, if there's any advice for new people out there, I think it is important to touch base with reputable and as your mm-hmm. um, your your journey road continues as the path continues then you start to find things that sort of suit you and you can work people out like in any walk of life you know Mm -hmm. i think we all probably did at some point didn't we 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 worked out who we could trust and who we couldn't trust oh yeah yeah and the people who were there there for you inverted commas who just post but never actually reach out to you or come and see you or you know i think a lot of people i found i don't know if you did just posted or commented on my post so that they it publicly looked like they were being really supportive but i never heard from them never came to see me you know it's interesting that that does happen i I have to share that i remember when i first posted that i couldn't find relevant info and my condition is not that rare compared to yours you know I, i have cll it's a chronic condition but there was a lot of good information going to 11 12 years ago and i used to actually use an online communities in the u.s so there was the ACOR list, as the Americans call it, giving information for CLL. And there was another forum. There was a Yahoo's group. And there was a, another, a, there was a Yahoo group. Yeah, yeah. There's a Yahoo group on CLL, SLL. And that was in the administrative. That was in the States off of an American hospital. And there was a, an American forum. But I remember I didn't have the courage to go in there first. And first I hung out in, in Maggie's online community in the background where I could be invisible and it was very soft and comfy and I quite liked that, you know. Then when I got a bit confident, I went, you know, travelled across the, the ocean to the US mm. and I went in this site. But I remember I anal- I'd been in there long enough and I analysed it and I had to, who's making the most sense here? Who's likely going to be able to help me here? And I just personal message somebody. Yeah. Um, who just seemed to be very into newbies and recent. And I remember meeting her the first time. I can still remember her name, you know, Pat. And um, 
I met two people in that community. One, unfortunately, has now passed away, but he won uh, an award from the Cure magazine for being one of the most prolific people, helping people online. And the other was Pat. And I met both of those at a conference that I then travelled to five years later for after that point in Canada. And these people kind of helped set me on a journey. And you build up some amazing friends through time. Yeah. With, you know, um, you also lose some. That's another downside that we were talking about. You know? Yeah, that's mm. true, actually. That is another downside of it, is that you do get quite close to people and inevitably some people die. People just go and you don't know where they've yeah, gone. Yeah, yeah. Have and they gone to their yeah. life or have they kind of mm. not made it? So it, that's a, a downside. Yeah. But that's life, isn't it? That's yeah. life in general. But I well, think, obviously, move. the yeah. situation of why you've you've paired up with these people is because you've all got a life-threatening illness. So, yeah, it does... That, that can affect you. And I think, again, that's why certain people, and myself included, at times decide to just have a break from it. You know, it's too much. Um, it's it's yeah. a community hard, that, does, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. It really does, yeah. Yeah. Mm. We've talked a lot about emotional support. And I just wanted to go back to kind of the quality of information point. And um, one of the reasons you could use forums and things is for education purpose, knowledge sharing. But do you guys feel it's better? There's like a limit to that, to what patient, you know, what patients can do to educate and where we should yeah, pass on to. Super careful. Mm. Um, I, I think that's probably nowadays one of the one of the key areas that we try and restrict and just give advice on and say, if someone comes in with a condition and it's like, oh, I'm having trouble breathing or anything like that, mm-hmm. and, and you, you get lots of goodwill people trying to give advice, the only piece of advice at that point is go and see a medical professional. Um, as patients, there are limits as to how far we take this, um, you know, and, and even, you know, I've got a rash appearing or a new lump appearing or anything like that. You know, it's go and seek medical advice. We're not doctors. We're not trained professionals. The advocacy side of things is important, but mm. my life, if there's one piece of, if there's one piece of a message that we can get out of this today in terms of social media, don't, don't leave your treatment to social media. Mm. Um, or, or the internet let it guide you but your medical professional is there for a reason and they yeah. and they went to college and university and trained for a long time for a very good reason mm. yeah and on that note that, that brings up you know one of the pitfalls is you've got a vulnerable community people do look to reach out to things to help them cope that might be slightly off the wall and you know there are different groups and different people out there um so this you know what i'd call the snake oil peddlers of you know, we've been down that journey and we've been through that. Mm. But I, but I think, you know, as long as people adhere to responsible rules and can and, and go to reputable sites, then they will find information that will help them navigate that. So you know, some basic rules in good practice is users can't give advice, but they can share their experience, which is invaluable. Yeah, 
you can signpost a reputable information. So that is as good as giving advice, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's as far as it goes. You can't give medical advice, you know, yeah. exactly as you pointed out. And that's unless you're medically trained and the person's in front of you. Mature. Yeah, you see and exactly. you know all yeah. their case notes and everything. Yeah, exactly. You can't. The detail you need. Yeah, you have exactly. a mixed group in an online community, so you've got different levels of experience, different levels of literacy, different levels of interest. You've got obsessive individuals that want to know everything about everything mm-hmm. you've got others that just want to share the human aspects of living and coping um, but you've also got patients that are fearful of going to a medical professional because the last mm-hmm. time they went they were diagnosed with, with something horrible so yeah. it, 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 sort of our job now is to keep them going back mm-hmm. but what but following on from what you're saying i don't i don't know about you kate but i've i've armed myself with information from groups and other people's mm. experiences when I've gone to my consultant and said, so what about like checking that? Them all. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. I found that quite useful because yeah. it, it arms me when I go and I can talk to my consultant on a, on a level. That's, that's a real important part, isn't it? As self-advocacy is, you know, yeah. knowledge and, you know, these groups and, and connection with information can help empower you to help be more involved in your, in your, mm. in your healthcare. Not supposed to tell you the specific answers, but empower you to ask the questions of the right people. Well, it goes yeah. a step further than that. If you live with a chronic disorder, quite often you need to reach out to primary care to your GP on a more regular basis. And you might be emotionally distressed. You might They might not know a lot about your condition. I mean, I've been through many occasions where I've sat with um, person earlier on and and i'd literally gone in there exactly the same as you with information i found to help empower them as well we've Mm. grown together with that information Mm. um and as i said earlier content does drive traffic to the site it does but kate with with a rare condition your consultants and your gps will know even less surely is that Mm. that yeah yeah and actually when you were talking then I just thought I didn't have that time to do that because because no. it was acute and emergency and that's it you're just kind of thrown into it and treatment starts instantly before you even really know the diagnosis you're having the drugs and so you don't have that chance to kind of ask um, you know or get advice I think for me in terms of treatment initially and using social media it was just seeing what other people, how they coped with it, what side effects they had, um, if they could recommend anything, you know, that that type of thing. It was more of that. But that, really, I didn't delve into it until I was sort of over the worst of it because I just wasn't well enough. So, um, But in terms of, of treatment, when there was the sort of a slower period leading up to the transplant, yes, I did look online and I did sort of try and get as much um, advice that I could could ask and could edu- educate me to ask the questions that I, I felt we would be useful. So yeah, I think it works differently for acute and chronic. You know, mm. as to what. Well, that's the point. There's a what lot you more can. Time ask. Yeah, time. exactly. And, and also, you know, if conditions are progressive, you know, um, it's not just one moment in time that matters. You need information along the path. Mm. Yeah, um, and different. What's the next treatment coming along? Mm. Yeah, um, you want people to be able to share that experience. And what I find amazing about watching online communities and being part of online communities is actually watching 
a new treatment materialises out of nowhere and then slowly slide into the community and then the community start on clinical trials and they go through the treatments and they start sharing their experiences mm -hmm. with the drug and then the drug becomes available and and you just watch it, you know. Um, so you're part that that information, it's hard to leave and it's invaluable to help you know your next steps and mm. to be connected. Actually, the generics issue was a good example of that as well, that a lot of people... With, on generics with, with CML went through a bit of a journey of like oh my life they're changing our tablets you know how is this going to affect us and everyone sharing their stories about actually it was it was okay there's a few bits and pieces here but mm. that, that, that was really good for people to not feel alone not in this alone. massive scary yeah. thing which I can appreciate is probably yeah. really scary yeah. yeah and I think that's key not feeling alone having a hand a virtual Definitely. hand to hold um, and, and just knowing that you know there are other, other people out there and um, and just being able to share that story. But we use different types of media. You know, so I, I, I see online communities just as virtual support groups. Mm. And, you know, if you're in an immune-compromised community um, and it's, you know, we live in a seasonal climate and also people are debilitated by the disease, you can't travel, it's a way of being able to connect with others without actually enduring the risks that you might have to if you're travelling or mm. if there is seasonal mm. infection. And if you're in isolation, you know, yeah. like I was yeah. for a long period, yeah. you know, some people might find that a comfort because you don't well, actually see exactly. many. I've noticed one thing is that a lot of people are busiest during moments of illness or crisis. So if you look at activity in the online groups that you, you're part of, um, and, and I was guilty of doing that myself. Yeah, I think TikTok's the answer to that. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to be able to set a TikTok account up. Okay. And express my disease in the form of dance. I think Why that not? Would be, uh, I'd love to do that. <laughs> <laughs> right. I know nothing I about TikTok. Oh, my love. Even or do I? No. I don't know but for about. entertainment, like you know, make it, it exciting. In isolation. Mm. I mean, mm. I can lose two or three hours on TikTok, and they're fifteen second. I mean, it's ridiculous. I'm looking you up on TikTok <laughs> after <laughs> this. No, <laughs> well, I am. I have an account, but I haven't posted anything yet. <laughs> but I might do tonight. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's the only thing with, it, with, with, with health social media. It stays on point. It stays very it does. health social media. There's mm. no room for a little bit of fun, a bit of entertainment, light-hearted. Well, there could be. Yes. Maybe we should be encouraging well, that a little bit more. Like the positivity yeah, like, thing uh, we like were saying, was saying yeah. about those This is what you were just saying about the real world. You know, At the end of the day, we are we're human beings exactly. and at times living at the moment, <laughs> at some points with a lot of challenges. But it's just very hard, I think, for me to... In, the, in those closed groups, but then what's nice? I'm not, is I'm not very good in in, out, in outside groups. You know, I, I tend to use them for signposting to information or gaining information. You can um, take what you want. We're all individuals, and, yeah. and what's cool is that you can take what you want. If you want entertainment for half an hour, because you're having a bit of a bad day, I absolutely recommend TikTok. It's really good no, fun. No, but I'll okay. to that. If you want a bit of education, then yeah, one of the closed groups is great. Or if you want to share with friends, then you share with friends on your personal account and yeah. you know, enable your privacy settings. I mean, exactly. it, it's, it's, it's so personalised. Um, and we, we, you know, hope we haven't put people off. And, you know, yeah, so that's key. It, I think that's yeah. a good place for us to sort of wrap it up is to say, use these things. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. We're not trying to put people off, but remember what the downsides are and particularly related to privacy, I think. Yeah. To compare the two. Yeah. yeah. yeah definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for that. And I am still going to look you up on TikTok. Uh, <laughs> and everybody else look him up on TikTok. <laughs> delete, delete. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys for, for giving up your time to discuss this really interesting and important issue. And um, thank you for listening, everyone, and see you next time. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Leukemia Chatters. For more information and support from Leukemia Care, go to our website, leukemiacare.org.uk, or call our helpline 08088 010 444. See you next month.